Welcome to Money Chats with Bounce Financial. I'm your host, Ben Brett. And if you haven't listened to this podcast before, we help professional families who are navigating all of life's big financial transitions. So if that sounds like you, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and why not give us a five-star rating while you're at it? It really helps us grow the podcast. Um, if you're looking for information more often, we also encourage you to check out our Instagram at Bounce Financial, where we share lots of tips and trips, uh, tricks about finances and navigating these big financial transitions. Um, I'm joined by joined by Luann Chow today from YHC Lawyers. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah. So Luann is a estate planning lawyer. I've known her for a very long time now, um, probably about five years, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so Luann is, uh, she sent through a bio, um, and I, I really got to agree with some of the stuff she's got in here. So she's dedicated to helping people find practical solutions for their estate planning, deceased estate administration, and estate litigation needs. And she's committed to lifting the load off family members during difficult and emotional times. Um, Loanne was recognized as a recommended lawyer for Wills and Estates Queensland in the Doyle's Guide in 2019 and 2020, which is the absolute gold standard for lawyers. Um, Something I wish I was in when I used to be a lawyer. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, All right. So um, why don't we, why don't I just kick this off by asking how you got into law or estate planning? Like how, how did this all start for you? Well, I started a dual degree in university in law and psychology, which was a bit of an odd choice because most of my peers were taking uh, law and commercial or some other practical uh, combination. But psychology really interested me because I come from a um, health professional uh, family background. So that's why psychology was my pick and law was my other choice. And having studied both of them, I wasn't sure which direction I was going into. I did take a three month stint in a psychology clinic where I was sort of uh, helping the psychologists assist clients navigate some emotions and some coping strategies as they were going through a personal injury litigation. And I also took a law clerk position, a law firm that practiced in personal injuries and wills and estates, which exposed me to the practice of law, which is completely different from the theory of law. What I really fell in love with was wills and estates. Uh, wills and estates, which I thought was about dead people, is not actually about dead people at all. It's about um, alive people who are trying to navigate uh, their family situations, making sure that their well-being and the well-being of their family members is taken care of, um, both personally and from a financial point of view. So having the psychology degree really helped me uh, in my practice because it helps you read a room, it helps you navigate sensitive conversations, it helps you bring up sensitive topics and scenarios that people have never really thought about. Mm. Sometimes uh, people have never said out loud how they really feel about their concerns and worries in terms of estate planning, so I found that to be very useful. Um, In deceased estate administration, obviously, it's a very difficult and sensitive time. brings up a lot of family emotions and memories. Yes. And having a psychology um, background has helped me um, help clients work through that process in what I'm hoping is a caring way as well as, Yeah. It's a strange conversation to have, isn't it, where it's like, you're talking about your death and and what's going to happen with your families and Mm. you know you're you're addressing things like you know your your children's marriages and whether they're potentially going to last the distance I guess and how you're structuring your your will and things like that so there's some really I guess difficult conversations that come up 
It does sound very heavy, um, but I think you can also get yourself in a situation where you're never going to start the process if that's what you're really worried about. A lot of people ring up and they have never gotten their wills done, even though they've got three young children and they run a business or, or whatever. And it's really because they think they need to have all the answers before they come. Yes. And sometimes couples talk about it at home, like who should be the guardian or who do we put in charge of the children's trust fund and they just can't agree. So often yes. by coming in actually telling me what's been holding them back. Um, oh, this does sound a bit like psychology, actually. Um, <laughs> help, helps me uh, come up with some solutions they may never have thought of. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, this comes up, I guess, in financial planning as well, where people feel like they have to get their finances in perfect order before they can come see me. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the whole point of engaging a professional is they can help you navigate all the choices you have and the pros and cons of them and help you come up with a solution to these things. So I can understand why people feel they're going to get everything sorted. Um, I also imagine that um, people feel that they need stability. Oh, once this happens, then I can get my will sorted. Or once this, you know, once we have our yeah. second child or third child, you know, maybe then we can get our will sorted. But there's not really any practical reason why you would you would wait for these things, right? That's right. And life is a bit unexpected. Yes. And so there is no perfect time. The best thing to do is put in place you know, a carefully considered plan that you hope that won't be needed, but if it did happen in the next three to five years, then you would be perfectly satisfied with this scenario and then you would review it. Yeah. One thing like I talk to my clients about too is the way lawyers go about drafting these wills, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you're trying to make it last as long as possible. You're not going to be doing things like listing every asset they have or anything like that. No. Um, so you, it, it is something that, you know, even though your life is changing, your will may remain pretty relevant um, through these things, right? Well, the thing is, we're looking at a whole picture. So we're looking at your current financial circumstances. We're looking at your current superannuation nominations, your life insurance nominations. We're understanding what your concerns are at this time and what we're trying to protect you yes. about, right? And that's the idea is being able to tell your solicitor or tell your lawyer exactly what your personal and financial situation is, what's really worrying you, putting in place a plan that's good for the next, you know, three to five years and then do a full review. And I mean, sit down, have a glass of wine, have a strong cup of tea, read through <laughs> your documents and make sure the people you gave jobs to are still appropriate. Yes. Um, the the structure that you have in place or the, the plan distribution that you have still makes sense. Some people um, that are too specific really create situations for themselves that are difficult. So if you, yes. for example, if you had three properties and three kids and you think I'm going to treat them really equally I'm going to give that property to that kid that one to that one and that one to that one but then that one of the properties gets flooded and loses its value or you yes. sell a property or whatever it may be it's no longer equal that's why um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too specific in your distributions I like using percentages that makes sense we um, we've got straight into this which I, I love I love talking about these things I think um, I think there's a lot we can explore here I might bring it up to a high level so you talked about how you studied psychology mm. you studied law um, you got into the space um, you started your own business YHC lawyers yeah so YHC lawyers was founded nine years ago and not by me it was was founded by Shen Chao, who's the uh, direct founding director, and he's also my husband. Yes. Uh, he started the law firm as a property commercial firm, and I, I joined the firm in 20, uh, 2014 when I was a senior associate in a mid-tier firm. Yes. 
and that firm unexpectedly closed and we took I took my team to YHC lawyers yes. and quite an interesting thing because it was ever it was never actually our plan to work together yeah um, but it's worked out really well um, with Shen being a property commercial lawyer it's really brought a new perspective to wills and estates uh, that I think really assists the clients the best thing about working with um, Shen is with his very different uh, way of thinking and his approach it's sort of helped me improve um, my legal practice and how I deliver the service, but we're very collaborative. Um, we were yes. very uh, immediate action focused. Yes. Constantly working on the business, as you'd know. Yes. Always yeah. thinking about improving it and um, making, you know, immediate changes. And if you try something in the business and you yes. think about it again, you can change it again quickly. We're not waiting for. It's the joy of having meetings. your own business. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. You can, you can constantly it's the, be focused the joy on and that. the passion of, of running your own. <laughs> law firm has been very interesting for us. I had um, I had a discussion with a client this week, actually, who has started listening to our podcast, and he said to me, um, geez, I didn't realize Kara and yourself are married. I thought you were siblings. <laughs> has yeah, this ever I come up for you? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, one time, yes, that's true. We often don't um, present as a married couple. We often go to events separately, for example, and we, we don't interact. We often don't sit together at networking events necessarily. Yes. Um, when we go to professional meetings, we don't necessarily make it clear that we are married. Um, some people will guess. Um, some people might ask. It's weird. It'd be a weird announcement to make, wouldn't it? I know. You walk into a network and you're like, oh, just so everyone's clear. Well, people might say, <laughs> you know, where's your husband? And I, I already know him. <laughs> I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. Car and I will generally approach things the same way, but um, yeah, I, lo I love working with my partners. That's that's awesome. Okay, cool. All right, well, we've got a bit of an idea of why she lawyers. We've got a bit of an idea of you. Let's let's start getting into sort of some of the questions around wills and power of attorneys okay. and things that people are going to need for their estate plan, right? Yes. Um, so I, I guess the first question I get from people is, when should I get one? When should I get a will or power of attorney? And at what point am I really leaving it? Like, I really, really need to do it. Okay, well, my starting point is everyone over the age of 18 needs to have a will and injuring power of attorney. But yep. I know a lot of 18-year-olds won't necessarily be motivated or necessarily <laughs> uh, be focused on that. I think the life triggers are what make you think about getting a will and injuring power of attorney in place. So certainly a single person um, does need to have a will and injuring power of attorney because yes. there's no obvious person that would step forward to make decisions for them or to benefit from their estate. So even though a single person is the least likely person to to get their affairs in order, they should be the first. Understand? Yeah, that so makes that's sense. one thing. Yeah. Uh, and that the other um, trigger, I suppose, is if you're in a serious relationship. So if you've been living with someone for over two years and you're in a de facto relationship, then you certainly would need advice around how that would impact your yes. estate planning. But if you're getting married, um, if you're expecting a child, I would start the conversation six months ahead of said marriage or yes. child because it does take time to put these things together, even if it's your own thoughts and your own wishes. Um, so it's not the sort of thing you would do directly before getting married or having a child. I'd start I'd start thinking about and start the process about six months ahead. Yeah, okay. we've done we've signed wills uh, right before a baby delivery but um, yeah I wouldn't <laughs> how, leave it that close how close before a baby delivery was this we've we've signed a will in the very next day that had the baby wow yeah. okay that's interesting yeah it's intense is there like a, a set amount of money people should have before they need to consider a will like a lot of people say oh well, I actually don't really have a whole lot um, I think they do though if you have a bank account if you have a job yes. then you have super 
Yes. And superannuation is really important and is not dealt with under the will, but should be dealt with as part of the estate planning process. Yes. Yeah, I oh, agree. Um, something that comes up for us is is every super fund usually has a base level of insurance in it. This insurance can be up to sort of five, six hundred thousand dollars in some instances. Absolutely. Um, so even if you're 23 years old, have no kids and no house, you could end up having six hundred grand. We had a situation where a young person only had about 30,000 in their account, but they had 300,000 as part of their insurance and it ended up being an estate dispute because there was actually money yes. to fight over. Yeah, yeah. And, and like there's almost a kindness in making sure that you do have your estate planning um, sorted because it stops, I guess, your family from having to try to... Additional stress. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a good gift to give to your family. Yeah, and, and like I imagine, like I, I've seen this, I've had some experience with this where people behave a little bit strangely in grief um, and will, I guess, latch on to things like money as a sign that they were an important part of someone's life or something like that. So absolutely, there, there can be disputes that you wouldn't anticipate. I've seen some very interesting and disappointing behaviours. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I like I guess with your psychology background, you see that there's more going on than, than purely a want for money. There can be many motivations and it could be deep-seated issues, but not every um, estate planning appointment is also a therapy session, so don't worry about that. Yes. But, but yeah, look, there are um, different motivators and certainly find family dynamics is... Um, something that we look at in yes. every in every session yeah and, yeah and i think i guess what i'm trying to get across from this is even if you think your family is pretty okay and, and things are going to work well and it'll be very obvious who's going to receive what um i think that that's not necessarily always the case and you're, you're unsure how people are going to want to behave with things in grief um even if you've discussed these mm. your, your intentions right or your, your wishes absolutely cool Awesome. Uh, all right. So we talked about, just bringing back, so we talked about a will and a power of attorney. Now, a lot of people tend to know what wills are. Yeah. Uh, what's a power of attorney? Yeah, that's right. So a will is something that most people would recognize as something that you need. So a will look, looks after your assets after you're gone. An enduring power of attorney is while you're still alive, but you can't take care of yourself because of illness or injury. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people make an assumption and they say, right, well, I'm in a de facto relationship or I'm married. So obviously, if I have an accident, my spouse or my partner can make financial and health decisions for me. And that's actually not the case. You yes. need a the legal document. You need the enduring power of attorney um, to give that validation or that authority to the person to make those decisions at the bank or at the hospital and so on. Yes. So an enduring power of attorney is actually in some ways more important yeah. because it actually governs your quality of life. Yeah. And you want to make mm. sure you have the right person. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. So if I want to draft my own will, mm-hmm. um, I can just pull out a napkin and, and write on the back of it who's going to get my stuff and that'll be super effective. Is that the, the that, way you should go about it or do you think you should that, engage that is, a that is, that is the path. That is a path to a very interesting litigation case that will probably be talked about in the profession. Um, but yeah, so You can make your own will, absolutely. Okay. Um, anyone can write their own will if they want to. Um, you can go and get a will kit. You yes. can do an online service if you like, um, but you're running a risk. And the important thing about making a will is it's not just making a will, it's making decisions that are going to um, affect the, you know, the financial and personal situation of your loved ones. Yes. So why would you, why would you take that risk in just drawing up your own, your own document? What you really need is advice. Yes. And you need advice about how your assets are owned and how they will transition, which may or may not be inside the will. Yes. And it might be by using, you know, nominations through superannuation, 
You'll need advice on who can contest the will and what can be done to minimise those risks. Obviously, if you're going to do your own will, you won't you won't know you won't know those risks. You yes. don't you don't actually know how your particular situation could open up all sorts of scenarios that could be quite stressful. Um, so, advice is what I think is so important yeah. about doing a will, and that's why an online will kit. Um, is a, is available, but it's probably not the choice the, that you would choose. Yeah, I agree. I mean, things get complex quick, very, mm-hmm. very quick. And you even touched on this before, you know, this concept that super doesn't necessarily form part of your estate. That's right. Like, if you're listening to that and going, I don't really understand what that means, then drafting your own will can lead to a lot of... Uh, a lot of heartache, well, maybe not heartache for yourself, but heartache for your family. It can cause a lot of stress. So if um, so, if you don't create the will in the right way, so a lot of um, obstacles will be put in place for your family that they'll have to get through, and it can be quite expensive to fix some of those mistakes. Yes. And some of them are just unfixable. Yeah. Uh, this kind of leads into my next question is what, what can go wrong in a will and power of attorney? Like what are some of the risks that we're trying to avoid? So many, so many things. So, um, so for example, just there are two main things that you're trying to sort out with a will, right? Who's in control of the estate? And yes. in other words, who has the right to obtain information or collect in assets to actually follow the instructions of your will? So the person that's in charge, that's probably the most important thing I think, yes. is being able to choose someone trustworthy. Because if you didn't have a will or if the appointment of executors in the will was done incorrectly, it might end up that a family member might have to go to the court and apply. Yes. And there's an order of priority that the court sets out in legislation that might not be the order in which you would want. So yeah, there are okay. people that meet the category of a family member that you would think, oh my goodness, if they were in charge <laughs> of finalising my estate, that would be the worst thing ever, right? Yes. So control, control of who's in charge of your will is the most important thing, appointing the executor. So getting that right and making sure that there are a couple of options. So if that person can't do it, then that person. If that person can't do it, then that person. Or even knowing how they're acting. So when you put people together, what does it mean when you appoint executors jointly, Yes. you know, as opposed to putting them in a certain order. So understanding the risks around that, understanding how your estate should be distributed, um, understanding the practicalities of how that would work. Some people come up with fantastic schemes of, you know, I want this person to live in the house for the rest of their life, but if they repartner, then this other thing. And I think, well, okay, if you create that scenario, these are the, these are the issues that might come up or mm. the other members of the family might be circling like vultures or whatever it may be. Yes. These are the scenarios that could happen. So being able to... See a, see a solicitor, explain what it is you want to achieve and then listen to them come up with the solutions or the practical advice as to how these things would actually be carried out would be really helpful. So you can get it wrong in so many ways with a will. But also there are some um, requirements in making a will valid. Um, so, you know, having the right clauses in there, signing um, the right way, having the correct number of witnesses, um, how that's all brought about yes. can be very poorly managed and yes. if so um, can be complicated to fix. Yes, I've, I've had clients who've had wills drafted by solicitors and we've assisted them with the signing process and even even the signing process is it's so detailed it um, is, yeah. and if you get it wrong it's a really big deal. Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting. You touched on before um, an executor. So an executor um, for anyone who doesn't know is, is the person I mean, how would you describe I'll let you describe okay, so it because you do a better job of it. Well, the executor 
is the person who has the right to arrange the funeral. Okay, so their job starts from day one. Yes. So they are the person that has the right to arrange the funeral. They have to they have the right to deal with the lawyers and the accountants and the financial advisors and anyone that's associated with administering the estate. They have to carry out the terms of the will. So yes. they have to uphold your wishes even if it's personally against what how they would distribute your estate if they had the chance. Yes. Right? So they can't have a conflict in that point of view. They've got to be totally trustworthy. They have to be very organized, very proactive. Mm. Um, that is the person that you would choose as your executor. Now, people in couples would typically choose their partner first, yes. but then and there needs to be um, backup people in that position. So when I talk to my clients, I say, you don't have to find a lawyer, you don't have to find a, fi- you know, a financial accountant or someone that's you know, trained in a yes. professional sense because the professional advisors will be there to do their jobs. But you need someone trustworthy, especially if you've set up a trust fund in your will for your children because that that executor will be the trustee of that trust fund. They'll be deciding what money is spent on the education and day-to-day needs of your kids. So they have to be 100% for the benefit of your children, would never do the wrong thing, yes. would always act in their best interest. So so, so trust is the Trust is the, trust really is the big thing one. that I keep saying, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like generally, you know, you would want somebody who has some level of sophistication enough to understand that they need to go and find the right you know they need to speak to an accountant they need to yeah. speak to a lawyer they, need they to will speak. seek advice they will follow advice yeah they're yeah. very organized people that's what we're looking for yeah okay, okay. in an executor guardian of a children that's a totally different thing see people get a bit confused yes um so the executor is the trustee of the trust fund the the guardian of the children that's where you appoint a guardian so if something happened to both of both parents the place where you appoint the person that will raise the children and care for them is in a will and a lot of people don't realize that so anyone that's expecting children or has children if they haven't got a will this would be a great motivator for them to get this in place and the guardian of the children is the person that is responsible for the welfare and um the, the well-being of the children. So they'll make all the parenting type decisions, where they live, what schools they go to, which sides of the family they're spending Christmas and Easter with, all of that sort of thing. Mm. And so we're looking for a different skill set here. This is the, These are the people that will love the children, raise them as you would want them raised. Yes. Um, the executor, the trustee will manage the funds and will actually talk to the guardian about what the expenses will be needed and what contributions should be made to the household. So we've got the money people and then we've got the parenting people. And I like to have a different person in charge of money and a different person in charge of children if we can do that. I like to have that check and balance. Yes. Um, I I like to have that check and balance. So, But sometimes I sit down with couples and there's literally one person they trust. Yes. And if that's the case, then that's what it is. But we'll have a a couple of different layers as always. Always options saying, well, you know, if these people... um, aren't in a position to raise children at that stage of their lives. Maybe they're grandparents, maybe they're too old at the time that the will is being carried out. Yes. Then we've got this younger option and this younger option and so on. So Yeah, okay. So you're hearing a lot about trust and options and yes. backup plans and that's because lawyers can be quite depressing. Yeah, um, well, it's it's but, thinking ahead, right? Like, yeah. you know, you could be putting a will in place and dying 60 years later. So That's right. having a bit of a plan on what's mm. going to happen, you know, if you if you And if you reviewing just, it off, often. Yeah, if yeah. you decide your parents are going to look after you, your kids or whatever and then, you know, they pass on or something, you want a backup plan. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely do. Um, I think that's an interesting point. Um, I think a lot of people sometimes go, oh, I don't really care who gets my money, they can sort it out. Um, but who gets your children is that's that's a big one you're going to really yeah. worry about it and, and you know like 
uh, it may be obvious to you this person I've made it clear this person is going to look after my children but is it abundantly clear if it's not in a will, right? No, that's right. And even just understanding the two types of roles is important. So some people think, well, I want these people to raise my children, but it will hurt, it will hurt them financially. Yes. And I'll say, well, you don't have to be concerned about that. If it's, if we have a properly created, you know, trust fund in the in the will, then those expenses are something that the executor will manage. Yeah. And it's not um, going to financially harm the family. I think this sort of brings it back to what we said at the start that you don't have to have all the answers no. before you see a lawyer. No. Um, the whole purpose of the lawyer is to help you determine the answers. Mm-hmm. You just let them loosely know these are my concerns, these are my things, and then they can help you sort of navigate this. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. All right. So I think, I mean, it, it's becoming pretty obvious people need a will. Like, they need yeah. a will. They um, need a will. The biggest concern, obviously, is costs. Like, people want to reduce costs. They're not sure, you know, why. How do lawyers charge for wills? So, like, I know there's a few different ways, but talk to me about loosely what that is. Well, there are a number of different ways that um, lawyers will charge for their service. And you'll have, um, you'll have people that charge a fixed fee, yes. uh, which means that they give you a quote. And that's how we, we do it, actually. We provide a fixed fee. So um, once we've spoken to a potential client about their situation um, over the phone and understood a little bit about their circumstances, we are able to give them a exact figure about what it would cost them um, for the whole service and that would include wills enduring powers of attorney um, letters of wishes which is where you give directions for funeral and you give away items of personal significance um, letters to the guardian about how you want your kids to be raised Um, if it turned out that your particular circumstances was very complicated and we needed to provide you know additional evidence and putting those things in place we would say this is all the these are all the things that are included and this would be our fee to prepare those documents to give you that advice and that means that if you were to during that process make changes or have lots of questions it wouldn't cost you any more to interact with the solicitor because the last thing you want is you know worrying about oh if I send this email if I tell them this other thing about my personal situation it could be more yeah so fixed fee certainty is um, is one option and that's that's how we do things but uh, other lawyers might do a uh, give you a, a range so they might say look our hourly rate is this. We think it will be between this uh, figure and this figure, and they would they they would charge depending on I guess the the time that they spend on doing it. Uh, what's really important um, is that you ask the solicitor what their process is, what the n- scope of work is, which means what is the nature of the work that they're doing for you, what are they providing for the service, yes. who is actually providing that service, and their experience. Um, and then um, finding out how they charge their fees and when. I think just being really clear about that process and how they're going to charge it is important. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, there's no right way, I guess. So it really just comes down to what you feel most comfortable with mm. um, and, you know, really finding the right person that you feel that they've kind of got your best interest at heart and they're going to... Yeah, that they understand your situation and they're going to be able to, you know, help you. Cool. Um, all right, so we sort of touched on this before, but I'd like to explore this a little more. You talked about the concept of updating your will or reviewing your will to determine that it is um, still valid, like it still suits your circumstances, and you yeah. sort of suggested three to five years. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Well, 
that's just a time frame I've come up with every three to five years. Um, <laughs> Along with a major life event. Ma- major life yeah. events, you know, getting getting engaged, um, separating, getting divorced, having a child, having another child, having all your children turn 18, um, starting a business, uh, someone close to you has passed away or become sick, all those major life changes, um, buying property with another person, um, those sorts of things make you think, okay, what's changed in my personal life or what's changed in my financial world? Yes. Are my documents still um, in place? Are they still appropriate? Um, with my clients, we actually uh, provide three and five year reviews. So every okay. three to five years, they'll get an email um, from our office saying it's it's been three years and so on. Arrange for a, a free um, phone call with Loann just to go through your documents. And I do that as, as a free service. And we I email them the documents and we sit down together over the phone and I say, right, this is what your will said, or this is your enduring power of attorney. You appointed these people to make these sorts of decisions. This is who you had in mind. Is that still appropriate? Mm. And and if it is, then that's good. And we'll talk in, again in another three to five years. And if it's not, okay, what are the changes that might be in place? And even though sometimes people think, oh, nothing's changed from a personal point of view, there could be changes in the law that might impact their situation. Yeah. So three to five years is what I think outside of the big life triggers, three to five years as a minimum, yes. sit down, read it all. And if you're not sure, ring your solicitor and say, look, this is what's happened to me in the last three to five years. Is there anything I should know about? Yes. I think that would be a really good proactive approach that you could take. I guess it's a thing too that gets forgotten is that it's not just about your personal situation. The Mm-mm. law changes and it, it changes quite regularly. Yes, it does. Um, so yeah, making sure I guess it's still, it's still best practice and it's still drafted appropriately for the new sort of interpretations makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, there's changes in wills and estates, but there's also changes in superannuation that come about. Yes. So yeah, all of every that. Every three new, days, it seems to be the new rule. I, every I, three days. I think three years is what I picked originally because with binding death nominations for superannuation, often they get reviewed every three years. So yeah. if you're getting that um, reminder letter from the super fund saying it's been three years, you'd probably want to look at your your will and enduring power of attorney at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes sense. But I, I guess, I mean, when you're putting together an estate plan, you are thinking about how do we make this last mm. um, and I guess that sort of touches on those points where people do really want to be very specific about these things it does change the dynamic of how long it's going to last right yeah I mean when I when I create wills and enduring powers of attorney I obviously want them to go the distance so I that's why clients you might find me to be quite a depressing person because I say what <laughs> I if do, this I do not find you to be a depressing what, what, person what if this person falls off the perch or what if this person is not capable of doing it I mean look what COVID did a lot of my clients yes. rang me last year and said you know, um, we were thinking, you know, we appointed our son as the first backup attorney after if anything happens to both of us and he lives in Sweden. Well, we always thought he'd get on the first plane back. That's not no longer the situation. We need to find someone within 50 kilometres of our house or or whatever it may be. So yeah, just testing, just testing those documents. You can do it by yourself. Just pull out your own copies at home and just go through it yourself and have a, a look at it first and think, okay, this is what I think is fine or this is what I think might change and then have a chat to the solicitor and see. I think that's the value of getting advice too in that, you know, 
you don't know these sorts of things, these traps. Mm. And it may be the case you're like, oh, I'll just update it if that happens. But I'm sure many people put their will on a bottom drawer and never think about it again. So life gets really busy. And you wouldn't, but like often when I talk to my clients during the reviews, they say, I can't believe it's been five years. I cannot believe it's been 10 years. And you would be surprised um, how family dynamics even change within that short period of the three years. Um, So yeah, it's something that you've constantly you know, it's not a set and forget. You you put in place the best plan that you can at that time and then you review it every couple of years and make sure it's still okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, wills, I think wills as an area of law or estate planning as an area of law is actually really fascinating. I feel like there's a lot of interesting stories that come out of it, like a lot of different people that have tried to make very creative wills mm. or something like that. Is there anything, like are there any stories that you've, you've heard of that might be interesting for the podcast? Well... I've been practicing for 15 years and so I've seen a lot of things myself and I've heard a lot of stories in the profession that have been shared. Yes. Um, And I mean, you can look them up yourself on Google. There's lots of interesting stories about people contesting wills and whatnot. Um, But a couple of uh, different things that I've seen um, happen, people have tried to make their own wills, for example, um, made what they thought was three copies of a will but each of them was actually original (laughs) and each of them differed in a way so in one of them um, a major gift was crossed out and initialed by the will maker but not the witnesses so then the debate was on about which was literally the last one the will maker put pen to and which should so that that was an interesting one um just also things like um not Make, just making wills and thinking, well, we don't need to provide for certain members of the family. They're very well off and they're, they're fine, but we'd like to donate to particular charities that we're passionate about. And then going ahead and making those wills, but then not realising that, as as you said, grief or whatever the motivation might be, yes. um, the disappointed beneficiary didn't see things quite the same way. And so then them bringing claims against the estate, yes. um, that that does happen. I, I have had lots of, um, I have seen, seen quite a lot of those things happen where um, people might carry an expectation. Yes. And actually that's something that I talk about with my clients is I say, don't give a copy of your will to people. Yes. Don't let them think that a certain thing is going to happen because you can change your will many, 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 many times before you pass away. And we don't want people making life choices, financial life choices based on what they think might happen. Interesting. And then it doesn't. Would that apply with your executor? Would you feel that you should give it to the executor? I think you should let the executor know that they are the executor and tell them it's their responsibility to get in touch with the law firm um, if anything should happen. Because that's something actually that we used to, that's become a, um, a live issue for us, I, I guess, in the last few years, you know, traditionally law firms would check the death notices and the funeral notices every morning against yeah, their okay. client base yes. to see if someone's passed away. And we still do that. But we have found in, you know, at least the last seven, 10 years that yes. people just won't put it in the newspaper anymore. They won't yeah. pay the courier mail or whichever. Yeah. Um, newspaper to put the ad in because it costs them hundreds of dollars so what we're seeing is people will announce your death on facebook and instagram which is uh lovely yes. uh, for them but it doesn't get to the you lawyers really search it yeah, up. yeah yeah that sort of thing so we always say look definitely tell the executors it's their job to contact the law firm and yes. let them know that something has happened and then they can get advice at the same time so the responsibility is on the executor um tell the attorneys that they are 
the attorney. So if anything happens to you, if we're in an accident or whatever, you're an attorney, contact this law firm. They have the original documents. They'll be able to advise you. So yeah. So when tell, you say attorney, you mean like a power of attorney? Yeah, yeah. your attorney under your enduring power of attorney. Yes. Um, Not to be confused with the American name for a lawyer. Right? No, it is very confusing, isn't it? But yes. no, that's right. Um, and tell someone that you have chosen them as a guardian okay. in the will. And if you if they're guardian number three, then tell them that as yes. well. Say, look, you're... Well, don't say last resort. That's not the way. But say to them, look, there's... You we, made the list. You just yeah, didn't make number yeah, one, That's right. right. Yeah, we, we trust you third <laughs> in terms of raising our children. No, you just say, look, the plan is this person, then this person, and then we've got you as a backup. Is that okay? And that's the other question people ask is should, you know, should we get people, you know, another person's permission before we put them in the will or the enduring power of attorney? Yes. I don't know about permission, but I think you should talk to them. I yeah. think you should say to them, look, you know, we're getting our we're getting our wills and enduring powers of attorney sorted. We thought about putting you as a backup to this. Are you comfortable with that? And if they're not comfortable, it's much better to know now than to yes. actually create the document, put them in there and then do you mean, find out. Do you mean as a guardian of the children? Or yeah, do you guardian mean of the children. Of no, money? no, guardian. Oh, well, not many people turn away money. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I've only seen it twice. Um, but, I'm surprised you've seen it twice, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, they were very interesting circumstances too. But um, no, I mean, if you're going to give someone a job, being an executor or an attorney yes. or a guardian, I think you should probably have a chat to them and say, this is what you're thinking of doing. They might um, be uncomfortable taking yeah. on that role. They might have actually had a recent experience where they did it for another family member and they didn't enjoy yes. the process and they might just not want to be involved or they might find that it puts them in a difficult position, particularly if your will is makes some controversial choices. Yes. Yeah. That's so, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess you never really know what's going on in someone else's life. So you may think that they're an ob- obvious choice, but maybe they've got plans to have children of their own or they're going to, you know, mm. You can't really assume. Countries or something. I don't don't know. Yeah, no, you really can't assume. I have had some clients sort of say, well, I'd like to put my brother or sister, but they don't have any children, so maybe they don't want to take on my children because it would be a massive change to their lifestyle. I mean, talk to them. They might absolutely love to to take on that role. Yeah. Yeah, just find out. Just have a chat. Particularly if you were to pass, right? Yeah. Like, even if they don't want to have children, their position towards that would change because they care about these kids, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, You did, we were talking about this before about interesting stories, and you made a reference to a diamond-crusted guitar, and I had to stop you because I definitely wanted you to talk about this on the podcast. I know it's not a personal story, but it's not, talk to me about what this was. Well, it's a it's a well known case. Um, you can read it for yourselves, um, but it's it's typical of um, a family provision claim. So, contesting wills, people always say, you know, how do people contest wills? Yes. And the main way is to bring a family provision claim. And a family provision claim is to say, you left me out of your will, and yes. you shouldn't have, or you left me something under your will, and yes. I don't think it was enough, right? Yeah. And there are certain categories of people that can bring a will like uh, bring a claim like that, and that's different from state to state, etc. Um, in this particular situation, um, it was a very wealthy. Um, gentleman who uh, was married and had um, children from his marriage, but he also had a children outside, a child outside of his marriage. And um, this young lady brought a claim yes. um, for provision, and she was able to prove um, that there was a parental linkage. Um, but she, part of her claim is that you always have to declare your financial need. So you have to declare all your assets and liabilities and what you what you think um, you might need to. Um, 
subsist in the future. Yes. And she had a very long, very detailed list. <laughs> and um, one of them, I think, was a diamond encrusted guitar. Well, it was a very special guitar, and there was also you've got to read it for yourself. You've got to, it's easily obtainable. You can yes. Google it yourself. It was very big in the media. Um, but that would probably be an unusual claim. In in that case, um, the gentleman in question was extremely wealthy, so yes. maybe proportionate to the size of his estate. It, it was a small she, she considered that to be um, important to her lifestyle. But most people that bring a family provision claim aren't doing as well financially and they're more interested about the roof over their head and, yes. and things like that. Yeah, it's, it's these cases that I guess get all the media attention, the, but the day-to-day is probably a little bit more normal, right? You'll find, if you're interested, even if you have a passing interest in wills and estates, you can find in the media lots of um, interesting stories about wills gone wrong yes. um, and uh, people contesting wills and, and what they... How, whether they succeed or not and I think it is I think that's why I'm passionate about wills and estates because it's not at all boring every single case is interesting it's an interesting and, area yeah. yes and specific so awesome yeah. alright if people wanted to get in touch with you how would they go about doing so uh, well they can go to my website www.yhclawyers.com.au we yes. also have a Facebook page and an Instagram um, page but mainly um, you can just give us a call call the office and what will happen is they will book in a time for you to speak to me on the phone for about 10 minutes and that's where I'll be asking questions about your personal situation and I can give you an idea of whether we can help you and, and the service that we provide. Awesome. Mm. Well, I think we, um, we we basically grazed things here. I think we've got a lot more to explore in the future so I'd definitely love to get you back on in the future to sort of talk about some of these topics more. Um, thank you very much for coming in. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank okay. you for having me. Cheers. Bye. Bye.